Chapter Eight Myth of Greece and Rome, Part Eight of Junior Classics, Volume Two Folk Tales and Myths. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Junior Classics, Volume Two Folk Tales and Myths by William Patton. Chapter Eight Myth of Greece and Rome. Part Eight, Niobe, a victim of Latona's jealousy, by Thomas Bulfinch. Niobe, the queen of Thebes, had much to be proud of, but it was not her husband's fame, nor her own beauty, nor their great descent, nor the power of their kingdom that elated her. It was her children, and truly. The happiest of mothers would Niobe have been, if only she had not claimed to be so. It was an occasion of the annual celebration in honor of Latona and her offspring, Apollo and Diana, when the people of Thebes were assembled, their brows crowned with laurel, bearing frankincense in the altars, and paying their vows that Niobe appeared among the crowd. Her attire was splendid with gold and gems, and her aspect beautiful as the face of an angry woman can be. She stood and surveyed the people with haughty looks. What folly, said she, is this, to prefer beings whom you never saw to those who stand before your eyes? Why should Latona be honored with worship and none be paid to me? My father was Tantalus, who was received as a guest at the table of the gods. My mother was a goddess. My husband built and rules this city, Thebes, and Phrygia is my paternal inheritance. Wherever I turn my eyes, I survey the elements of my power nor is my form and presence unworthy of a goddess. To all this, let me add, I have seven sons and seven daughters, and look for sons-in-law and daughters-in-law of pretensions worthy of my alliance. Have I not cause for pride? Will you prefer to me this Latona, this Titan's daughter? with her two children? I have seven times as many. Fortunate indeed am I, and fortunate I shall remain. Will any one deny this? My abundance is my security. I feel myself too strong for fortune to subdue. She may take from me much. I shall still have much left. Were I to lose some of my children, I should hardly be left as poor as Latona with her two only. Away with you from these solemnities. Put off the laurel from your brows. Have done with this worship. The people obeyed and left the sacred services uncompleted. The goddess was indignant. On the Thinthian mountain top, where she dwelt, she thus addressed her son and daughter. 
my children, I who have been so proud of you both, and have been used to hold myself second to none of the goddesses except Juno alone, begin now to doubt whether I am indeed a goddess. I shall be deprived of my worship altogether unless you protect me. She was proceeding in this strain, but Apollo interrupted her. Say no more, said he. Speech only delays punishment. So said Diana also. Darting through the air, veiled in clouds, they alighted on the towers of the city. Spread out before the gates was a broad plain where the youth of the city pursued their warlike sports. The sons of Niobe were there with the rest. Some mounted on spirited horses, richly caparisoned, some driving gay chariots. Ismenos, the firstborn, as he guided his foaming steeds, struck with an arrow from above, cried out, Ah, oh, me! dropped the reins and fell lifeless. Another, hearing the sound of the bow, like a boatman who sees the storm gathering and makes all safe for the port, gave the reins to his horses and attempted to escape. The arrow overtook him as he fled. Two younger boys, just from their tasks, had gone to the playground to have a game of wrestling. As they stood breast to breast, one arrow pierced them both. They uttered a cry together, cast a parting look around them, and together breathed their last. Alphenor, an elder brother, seeing them fall, hastened to the spot to render assistance and fell stricken in the act. One only was left, Ilioneus. He raised his arms to heaven to try whether prayer might not bail. Spare me, ye gods, he cried, addressing all, and Apollo would have spared him, but the arrow had already left the string, and it was too late. The terror of the people and grief of the attendants soon made Niobe acquainted with what had taken place. She could hardly think it possible. She was indignant that the gods had dared and amazed that they had been able to do it. Her husband, Amphion, overwhelmed with the blow, destroyed himself. Alas, how different was this Niobe from her, who had so lately driven away the people from the sacred rites, and held her stately course through the city. The envy of her friends, now the pity even of her foes, she knelt over the lifeless bodies and kissed now one, now another of her dead sons, raising her pallid arms to heaven. Cruel Atona, said she, feed full your rage with my anguish. Satiate your hard heart while I follow to the grave my seven sons. Yet where is your triumph? Bereaved as I am, I am still richer than you, my conqueror. Scarce had she spoken when the bow sounded and struck terror into all hearts except Niobe's alone. 
she was brave from excess of grief the sisters stood in garments of mourning over the biers of their dead brothers one fell struck by an arrow and died on the corpse she was bewailing another attempting to console her mother suddenly ceased to speak and sunk lifeless to the earth a third tried to escape by flight a fourth by concealment another stood trembling uncertain what course to take six were now dead and only one remained whom the mother held clasped in her arms and covered as it were with her whole body spare me one and that the youngest oh spare me one of so many she cried and while she spoke that one fell dead desolate she sat among sons daughters husband all dead stunned with grief the breeze moved not her hair no color was on her cheek her eyes glared fixed and immovable there was no sign of life about her her very tongue cleaved to the roof of her mouth she was changed to stone yet tears continued to flow and borne on a whirlwind to her native mountain she still remains a mass of rock from which a trickling stream flows a tribute of her never-ending grief End of chapter eight part eight